Football fans far and wide. From Bangkok to Berlin, this is the Football v. Football Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing the EPL Game Week 25 recap. On a game week where some teams weren't playing, some teams were playing in another cup. Manchester United, Newcastle, or at least some of Newcastle. We had some tremendous games on the week here. A lot of games where... It was kind of boring in the beginning and then got a little bit exciting at the end. Kind of that trend. Some teams extending their lead uh, on the uh, in the league uh, uh, race here. Some teams looking more like they're going to get relegated. Um, and some teams just fighting. Fighting, scrapping, clawing. Saw a lot of that this week. And we're going to go ahead and get started, but first, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead, subscribe, like, comment, share, do all that good stuff. If you're listening on a podcast platform, maybe Spotify, if you want to follow on there as well, give a good rating, would be much appreciated. We're going to go ahead and get started with the first game of the week, which happened on Friday. Fulham and Wolves tied 1-1. Mitrovic, again, out of this game. Him being out really just changes the whole approach of this team. You know, when they're attacking defenders like Anthony Robinson and Kenny Tete are pressing as attackers, and I think they're two of the best in the league, they're not nearly as effective when the guy that they're feeding is Carlos Vinicius. No offense to him, he's just not the class of Mitrovic and, you know, at striker, he's he's not as clinical a finisher as Mitrovic, he's not uh, uh, as good at winning headers for goals as Mitrovic is, and that's kind of why they couldn't pull away in this game. I mean, Fulham, I think, has a tremendous team. I think their defense is great, too. Bern Leno, I think he's a great player, one of the best keepers in the league, if not the best. Um... Great defense, great midfield, but when Mitrovic is out, they, they, they struggle to score until, we'll talk about it a little later, they got a little super sub that comes into the game. But um, on the other side, on the Wolf side, Sarabia, 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 Sarabia. We mentioned last week that this guy, they just, you know, when you listen to the game, they say Sarabia's name more than anybody else the past two games when you watch Wolves games. And this guy's just all over the pitch. He's everywhere. Great, great addition to this team. And he scored the opening goal for them on top of everything else. He just scored the the goal for them. He's everywhere. He scores goals. He's a great player. Um, Most valuable player for Wolves, in my estimation. And this is a team that really needed a spark. I mean, Adama back with the baby oil, not doing much. Nobody else in this team doing much. They're benching Podence and Moutinho. um, He's a real spark for them. So great pickup with Sarabia. And as I alluded to earlier, the the East European guy, Manor Solomon, just comes off the bench every game and and seems to score for this team. I know this is a second straight game that he he did it. I know that probably he scored in some other games as well. Uh, and uh, he tied the game for the uh, for, for Fulham here um, in a game where it looked like Wolves was was in 
was pretty purely dominating this game. So, kudos. Kudos to that guy. He's a good player. Um, I'll also mention that Jose Saw, I've been particularly critical of him. <clears throat> I think it's warranted uh, throughout his time, both in Portugal and with Wolves. But I have to admit, today he made two big saves to keep this game tied for Wolves. So credit where credit is due. Jose Saw had an above-average game today. And that was pretty much it from this game. This was a 1-1 draw. Good for Fulham. They've, they've been doing well this season to, to uh, eke out this draw, even with Mitrovic out. And uh, Wolves, they showed a lot of heart today. I think they played a good game today as well. This is you know one of the games where, even though it's a 1-1 tie, both teams look pretty impressive. We'll move now to the first game on Saturday. Aston Villa beating Everton 2-0. I'm going to say it again. I said it last week. I have no idea why Neil Maupe still plays. And not only plays, but this week he started. Over the years, this guy is a striker that is so off target, one of the least clinical finishers I've seen, just so imprecise, and this team has better options. And I don't know why he's he's still playing, to be honest with you. Everton missed so many opportunities in this game, especially in the first half. And in so many different ways, you know, almost goals cleared off the line, um, headers missed, uh, just shots barely off target. But on the Austin Villa side, Ollie Watkins, aggressive attacking all game in several, several different ways. One for sure header that Pickford just barely touched. And it went up, hit the post, came down, and just was there. They were lucky it didn't clear the line. And then there was another rocket shot from Watkins in this one from distance that almost got past Pickford. He didn't catch it cleanly. It almost um, could have gone past him. And this was not even like outside the box. This was maybe two two thirds of the way up the field or something like that. I mean, it was it was from distance. And he had this guy has some power, Watkins. And then there's another play very early in the game where Watkins, it's, it looked like he had the goal, um, but Pickford clattered into uh, to, to Watkins, and it very easily could have been a PK, but he didn't sell it enough, you know, in a league where refs are conditioned to only call uh, to, to only make calls when when players act. Pickford acted like he was injured somehow, even though there's no way he could have been injured. And Watkins just stood up um, pretty quickly. And like I said, this is a league where the refs are conditioned to only react when players act like they've had like a career-ending injury, which they do like every 20 minutes. Um but we'll see uh, what happened later in this game. I, I think uh, there was a bit of revenge exacted. With Everton, <clears throat> one of the guys I have to give credit to is Dwight McNeil. Doing hard labor on the flank all game. Fighting to produce great crosses all day. And I tell you what, those Austin Villa defenders were making him fight all game. They were giving him a lot of issues, but he fought through it. But despite McNeil's efforts... Nothing was converted. Nothing was converted into a goal. Onana probably 
uh, got closest with a, um, a header that was tipped away by uh, Martinez. Uh, Onana, what's my name? Uh, and again, Sean Dyche, the, uh, the new Everton goalie, uh, sorry, the new Everton manager. Questionable decisions in this one. Benching Damari Gray again. I think this is maybe the third or fourth game that he's not giving him a chance. He only brought him in for a few minutes at the end of the game. And Damari Gray plays like he plays. He was very aggressive. He had two shots, one of them on target. And he's a great aggressive player for this team, and he should absolutely be getting more playing time. Um, and in my opinion, not playing Gray is it's going to get Sean Dyche fired. And he's been given... A second chance here. This guy was the the um, the manager of Burnley. Burnley got relegated, and now they're giving him a, another chance to be in the Premier League. And it looks like he's squandering it. To be honest with you, he has the look, he has the passion of a great manager, but his tactics, especially not to play Damari Gray, I really don't understand it. Um, and if he keeps this up, I think he's going to get sacked, and I think that there's a good chance Everton. Um, get relegated. A big club like Everton is very much so in question of getting relegated, uh, relegated and Sean Dyche is just not putting his best guys out there. Going back to the, uh, or, or going to uh, the first goal of this game, Austin Villa's first goal, um, <clears throat> a very questionable penalty call, I have to say. Minimal, minimal contact on McGinn, but the ref gave it. And Watkins, of all the chances he had all game, you know, somehow couldn't get it in even if he was playing very, very well. Converted this PK. And this is his fifth consecutive game scoring a goal. And after he scored that goal, he threw up the five. He knows what's up and he's going for a sixth the next game. This guy's in excellent form. Few players in the EPL right now are in better form than Watkins. Maybe Rashford is on par. I don't know. Sully Marsh is playing really well. Uh, but very, very few players are in the form that Watkins is in right now. And the second goal of this game to seal it was an absolute screamer by Buendia. Fired a rocket from a tough angle on the side after he kind of juked the defender. Beautiful, beautiful goal to put it at 2-0 and put Everton out of their misery. Austin Villa, very well-deserved win, as I alluded to before. Everton squandering their chance here. You got to play Damari Gray more. That's all I have to say. Bench Malpe, play Damari Gray more. I think if you start doing that, you're going to start seeing some results because I think this team does have talent. I mean, there's more talent on this team than some other teams that I feel like are in the relegation zone. But you you got to put your players in position to win, and that's really that's really what it comes down to in in the, in the Premier League. You're going to see it with with some other games we're going to talk about here. You got to put your players in the position to win. That's what it's about. So, moving on now to a bit of a ho hum game. Leeds beating Southampton one to nil. <clears throat> One of the stars of this game, Jack Harrison, great service all day. Uh, players like Aronson, not a great finisher. I wasn't really impressed with him today, squandering several chances. 
Patrick Bamford, he's not the same attacker since he's had all those injuries over the past, I guess, couple of years at this point. Seems a little more reluctant, seems a little more careful these days. But Leeds was absolutely on the front foot all game and just took a mistake by Southampton and their keeper in a display showing why they're at the bottom of the table. A pass from Jack Harrison, who was active all game, to Junior Furpo. And kind of a mediocre shot on goal, but the keeper just kind of let it go under his arms for a cheap, easy, but ultimately meaningful goal for Leeds. Southampton, if we're assessing them here, feckless all game. No real threat. They need strikers badly on this team, very badly. Like I mentioned last week, um, James Ward-Prowse is really the only guy on this team. They really got they really got nothing else. I mean, it was kind of sad. Stuart Armstrong trying out there. He got a, a yellow this game. Just he's one of the the OGs on this team, playing his heart out, but just couldn't get much done. I mean, this team is in in, in dire dire need of some strikers. But Leeds, a much much needed three points here. To put them just above the relegation zone. They're now 17th in the Premier League. They'll take whatever they can get. I think they showed their owner in the box this week. Getting emotional. Shedding tears. Just trying to stay alive. And that's the same thing they did last year. They were, they, they were just trying to stay alive all year. And they barely did at the end of the season. Leeds is a bit of an enigmatic team. Um, it seems like they have... Potential. They have a lot of American players, and they just signed signed a Weston McKinney as well. Yeah, this is another team that I feel like would benefit from like a better manager. I know they just fired their American manager for another guy, but still, I think that there is upward mobility for this team. On the other hand, Southampton, as we talked about some other teams before, this is another team that is. Very, very, very much so in danger of relegation. And we've seen Southampton in in the Premier League for years and years and years. It would be very strange if they were to get relegated. But it's really looking like that's when, what's going to happen. I, I'm not sure if there's another transfer window for them to bring somebody else in to, to be a striker. But if not, it's looking like they might get relegated. And if so... I hope that James Ward-Prowse, even though he is the best thing that's ever happened to Southampton, I hope he catches on to another team. That's what seems to happen usually with star players on these teams that get relegated. So I suppose we'll see what happens the rest of the season. This battle against a couple bottom dwellers, big win for Leeds, Southampton. You got to do some work. Moving on now to Arsenal. Beating Leicester 1-0. I'll start by saying I love how active and attacking Zinchenko is, this guy. We talked about him last week, even as a defender. He not only gets out on the wings and on the flank, which a lot of attacking defenders do, but you find him oftentimes in the center of the field, in the heart of the attack. This guy's a great player. Very, very good player. 
Another player on Arsenal is impressed with, Leandro Trossard. Beautiful top corner goal from distance with power. Ultimately disallowed by a very questionable offside call. Trossard is a guy that I really liked his aggressive style at Brighton. And it's great to see him get this stage in Arsenal. He later assisted the only goal of the game to uh, to Martinelli, who got injured while scoring that goal and somehow uh, popped back up later and, and, and finished this game. You never know in in English football if somebody's injured or not. I mean, this guy looked like he was like very, very badly injured, but somehow finished the game. But Trossard, tremendous, tremendous uh, game. I think he's he, he's a quality player on this team. Uh, Leicester, in the middle of the game, I have to admit, they did have some chances, some solid chances, couldn't convert. There was one cross from uh, Harvey Barnes to uh, Tete, who just barely off target there. Um, Leicester, I feel like, is another team that um, could benefit from, from a more... Uh, Clinical finishers, better strikers. Vardy is kind of, it seems like his time has passed. And all they really added is Tete. It will be is a very active guy. He also was involved in this one. He's a very active guy uh, throughout the field. But as a finisher, not the best. And uh, Madison is just, I think he has a great feel for the game and great vision. But it, it, lately, it's just, it looks like he's looking a little bit more like Vardy where Maybe the skills are diminishing a little bit. Um, overall, the, you know, there's a lot of talk about Bukayo Saka. Uh, there's a lot of praise being heaped on uh, this guy. But in my opinion, I think he's a little bit overrated. I saw it in several points in this game. The guy doesn't have a great acumen. He doesn't have great football acumen. He waits too long to make decisions. I think that there are openings way earlier when he has the um, when he has the ball, and I think he is um, a second too late in a lot of his decisions. And in the Premier League, that really that really makes a big difference. So that's just kind of my personal opinion on Saka. Arsenal. I think overall, as I see this team, even though they are, I think are first or second, I guess. In, in the league uh, at this point, uh, in the table. <clears throat> I don't think that they're utilizing their full potential. I still see some upward mobility for them if they want to really, if they're serious about winning this league title, taking it from Manchester City. I'm going to say it again. I don't think they use Fabio Vieira nearly enough. And now Reese Nelson has been healthy for maybe two or three straight games now. And they haven't given him any playing time. When he has played uh, earlier in the year, I think he only has played a couple games. But incredibly, incredibly active. Many, many shots. Many, many shots on target. I think he scored uh, a goal as well. Uh, you got to give this guy an opportunity. you got to give him an opportunity to play. Uh, this is 1-0. This could have gone either way. But Fabio Vieira and Reese Nelson, both tremendous attacking players, um, yeah, Arsenal has kind of squeaked by uh, b b both games this week, or uh, this week and last week, against teams like you know Leicester, who are just kind of middling and 
and even Austin Villa last week, it was closer than than the score. I know the score was 4-2, but if you uh, watch the game, Arsenal was ahead, sorry, uh, Aston Villa was ahead 2-1 for, for um, you know, large stretches of the game. They were ahead 1-0, they were good. ahead 2-1, and, um, you know, Arsenal broke it open at the end, but I think Arsenal's missing an opportunity to to play some of um, their other players, like, like I said, Vieira and uh, Reese Nelson. We'll see if it comes back to uh, to bite them when they play some of these better teams. But um, good win for Arsenal here. Uh, Leicester fought hard, but Arsenal gets the points, gets the three points, and that's really all that matters. Moving on to West Ham, beating Not- Nottingham Forest four to nil in a game where the score belies the story of this game. West Ham, admittedly, was on the front foot, keeping Navas very busy in the early uh, portions of this game. Gibbs-White for Nottingham Forest, very active, but just no one there to help him finish with a goal. Uh, Brennan Johnson, just very average. Not many finishers on this team. And it wasn't until the 70th minute, 70th or, or 71st, that finally the 0-0 deadlock was broken in this game by Danny Ings. And then right after that, <laughs> the bubbles started uh, flying and flowing. Uh, people were making bubbles in the stand. You could see it all over. And and the party started, essentially, at the uh, um, West Ham grounds. And it was the first of four goals in 14 minutes. Yes, that's right. Four goals in 14 minutes. The floodgates were open. Uh, Declan Rice had a beautiful top corner shot on goal, uh, or for the for the third goal, I believe. Uh, Mikel Antonio also had a great header for another goal, maybe the fourth goal. And you can't help but be reminded about Kaylor Navas here and his allowance of you know seven nil um, when he played against Spain in the World Cup. And some people are going to have the opinion of him that he is a feast or famine uh, goalie. The same way I feel about um, about David De Gea. Um, I'm getting that feeling about Kaylor Navas here to allow four, four goals in 14 minutes like that. Um, after he had been playing well early in the game. I think he had a quite, a, quite a few saves early, but they were all just... Didn't come to anything later on. Maybe that's more of a commentary again on on Nottingham Forest's uh, defense, who I am not very impressed with. But um, allowing go- four goals in 14 minutes, I can't remember the last time I, I saw that in a Premier League game. So um, overall, Nottingham Forest, um, I have to say, you know, they did look like they belonged for about 70 minutes of this game. They played tough. Um, but giving up like that once the first goal went in is a very worrying development. If I'm a, a Forest fan, they need more clinical finishers, as I mentioned earlier. In my estimation, Gibbs-White is their only class attacker. Uh, they need more firepower on this team. Brennan Johnson isn't gonna isn't gonna do it. So 
yeah, we'll see what happens here. Again, another team that is, you know, near, could be near the bottom, could be threatening relegation. Um, we'll see what they do from, from here on out. They're a bit of an inconsistent team. But uh, West Ham, I mean, they, they, they really needed this win. And 4-0 to have that kind of party. It was a great, great day to be a West Ham fan. We'll move on now to another domination, another four-goal game, Manchester City beating Bournemouth 4-1. to Manchester City <laughs> looked like they were in a league above Bournemouth in this one, quite literally. It looked like Manchester City was at the top of the EPL, which they are, and Bournemouth regressed to their second league form from last season. Foden, Holland, Alvarez all shined in this one. It wasn't until Pep subbed out all his stars to empty his bench that Bournemouth salvaged some respect to secure a goal. I think it was Lerma that's, that, that scored that goal. And overall in this game, and just when you're watching Manchester City over over the years with, with Pep, their relentless press, even when leading by multiple goals, is seriously impressive. Their energy, their stamina, truly a testament to Pep as a manager for them to be this consistently aggressive. Even when they're ahead, you know, it's like the basketball equivalent of playing full-court press even when you're up by, like, double-digit points. That's Manchester City. That's why they've been so successful. Now, Bournemouth, they do have impressive attack. As I've mentioned earlier, I am a believer in, in, in many of their attackers. Watara, Django Watara, I think he's I think he's great. He's class. He had many great moments in this game. Dominic Solanke, I'm a bit more ambivalent on. Uh, and I noticed this early in the season, but then he played some poor competition. And when he plays better competition, you see it. He, he really plays to his competition. And by that, I mean against Manchester City and teams like that. Arsenal, the top teams, he's not very competitive. In fact, in this game, he was dispossessed seven times. But I guess against lesser teams, he, he can and does thrive. So... Um, you get him against some of these 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 bottom teams, bottom defenses, and Solanke, you know, is an above average uh, striker. But against some of these teams, he just he doesn't he's not there. His skill level isn't there for the best defenses. But the most important important part of this squad is um, Tavernier, and he was missing in this game again. He is the best attacker on this team, and he shows it whenever he plays. He's, he played last week. He scored a goal. I think he played the week before. He had an assist or a goal. Every time he plays, he it contributes. Assist, goals, key passes. I mean, whatever it is, he contributes um, to scoring. But he has a nagging hamstring injury, and... His absence may be the reason that they get relegated. Again, this is another team in the relegation zone. If they they do not find a way to get him out on the pitch and into you know uh, into these matches, 
uh, it's going to spell disaster for this team. And this is a team, like I said, I I like their attack. I like some of their attacking pieces, but the physios need to find a way to get this guy healthy and get this guy out there. Get more of that spray. Do what you got to do. Get him out there. Otherwise, it's it's wraps for Bournemouth. Um, they need to get him back badly. Um, for Manchester City, they look like the best team in the Premier League. They look better than Arsenal to me. They completely dominated this game. KDB wasn't even playing. I mean, many of the, you know, I, I, I don't, you don't need me to tell you this, but this team is so stacked. When you look at the, the substitutes at the beginning of the game, a lot of them look like, you know, it could be a starting lineup um, on another Premier League team. But to do this without... KDB even playing a uh, dangerous team, very dangerous team, and they look like the best in the league. Moving on now to the last game on the Saturday slate, uh, Liverpool and Crystal Palace tying nil to nil. Exciting game. <laughs> Liverpool lacked finishing all day. Salah and Jota had shots on target. And off the post, but just not accurate enough. And Salah, 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 had a breakaway that in years past, he would have outran the you know defense and finished. But there's no other conclusion than to say he has lost a step speed-wise. He's still an above-average overall player, obviously. And he fed Gakpo... On a tremendous assist opportunity that Gakpo just couldn't convert. But overall, I have to admit, it's been a down year for my fellow countryman, Mohamed Salah. I don't know what it's going to take to get him out of this funk. That last shot off the posts really looked like it was going in. They're just, there are centimeters of of, of difference that are going on this year for for him in the wrong direction. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Liverpool is in a kind of in a precarious place here, and their defense in this game was a sieve. Again, you know, coming off that Real Madrid game, you, you'd think that they would uh, clean things up, but careless mistakes that would have been capitalized if Crystal Palace had better finishing, and perhaps if Zaha was fit to play. You know, on Crystal Palace, Mateta and Olise had several chances. Also one that came off the post late in this game that uh, very, very easily could have gone in. Allison did not have that great of a game. He was fortunate many times. And Liverpool, I have to say, they were just, they were lucky to tie this game. They deserve to lose, in my opinion. Crystal Palace were very, very upset to have tied this game, and they they, they showed that at the end of the game and throughout the game, um, berating the refs. Even one of their defenders, uh, Anderson, got a yellow card after the game for dissent. And then the Crystal Palace manager, Vieira, came into the refs' faces and again was was, was yelling at them. They were very, very angry at the results of this game. They felt like they should have won. They felt like they were cheated in this one. And like I said, 
Crystal Palace was the better team in this game, and I thought they they deserved to win. They they're very unlucky to just get one point in this game, and on the other hand, Liverpool very lucky to get one point in this game and keep their hopes alive for maybe Champions League, but it's really looking like more they're striving for Europa League at this point. And yeah, we'll see what happens with both of these teams moving forward. Liverpool is a little bit more of a entertaining story to see what happens to them, but their form is not great at the moment. Not great. Last game of the day, the sole game on Sunday in the in the Premier League, at least, uh, counting towards the, uh, the the actual standings. Tottenham <clears throat> beat Chelsea two to nil. Oliver Skip. Who knows about Oliver Skip? Let me know in the comments if before this game you knew who Oliver Skip was. Because I'm going to say I did. This guy had a big role to play in this game. He was lucky not to concede a PK early in this one. It looked like he had both you know, gotten a handball and fouled um, Sterling in the box. Wasn't called. Very fortunate there. And later in the game, had the goal of the match, an absolutely beautiful goal from outside the box, a banana kick uh, with the outside of his foot and had curved movement. Tremendous. Tremendous goal. Very rare to see from a defender. And now I know the name. Skip. (laughs) Uh, It seems as though Sun is now a super sub. Which is very strange to see, given his uh, his class and his pedigree from uh, years past. But Kulusevsky and Rasharlison have been slightly better, I suppose. To me, they seem pretty similar. Kulusevsky, I think, is is clearly better, but Rasharlison and Son. I guess it depends on the day. And Harry Kane with the second goal, just kind of cleaning up the residue of a uh, a corner. To seal the win and the three points here. On the Chelsea side, there's a lot to say. Mudrick, the new addition to this team. He was brought on very, very late in this game. He is a player who I see tremendous promise in. His elite speed and his striking. I think he had um, one of the best uh, um, opportunities in the second half for Chelsea in this game. He should get more playing time. Um, another couple notes in this game. The ref struggled mightily to um, maintain control of this match. Many cards were issued here. A red card was initially given to... Or was it maybe like a yellow was initi- initially given to Ziyech and then retracted it uh, and then gave him a red. And then it, it I guess it initially appeared as though he had uh, given... A slap to the face to to Royal to Royal Emerson Royal, but later went and saw the VAR and that it showed that it was more of a slap to the shoulder that maybe kind of moved into the face. So the ref retracted the red card and gave him the yellow card. Kind of a mess. And um, there were other dust ups throughout this game. You know there was poor pace. As a fan, wasn't really great to watch. There were fits and starts. And even the announcers had kind of a 
a poor game here. They um, they they were confused about Ziyech. They thought that he had gotten a yellow card earlier in the game, but he hadn't. So they thought it was going to accumulate from two yellows to a red, but that wasn't the case. And then the other announcer was saying, um, he kept bemoaning the fact that Ziyech, oh, he slapped them, he very clearly slapped them in the face. What kind of precedent does this set that he slapped somebody in the face and he is not kicked out of the game, he's not shown a red, but... If you see the replay, it's like really kind of you hit him on the shoulder and then Royale moved and then maybe hit him in the face a little bit, but that's that's on Royale. A um, little self-righteous by the refer by, by the announcer there. And just not the most clearly presented match. <clears throat> and the last point in this game, uh, Graham Potter. Again, this is a very big topic. This was actually, I, I believe, uh, a top news story. Uh, on ESPN, tough to do um, in um, <laughs> on an American site like ESPN for EPL to 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 get there. But uh, there was a, a reports that emerged this week about uh, Chelsea manager Graham Potter uh, receiving death threats for him and his family, which is unacceptable. Obviously, I want to say that. Uh, and it also, but it also speaks to. How poorly this guy has performed as a manager of one of the world's biggest football clubs. Uh, he was much better suited to uh, be managing Brighton, where he was doing very well. And it's only a matter of time before he's replaced with uh, someone who knows how to maximize the myriad talented players on this club and they do have a lot of talent on this club and when that happens Grand Potter I hope there's a job for you somewhere in some of these these other teams that are closer to the bottom that would really value a coach like you because it seems like what Grand Potter does is is takes um, underdogs and does well with them but uh, when you have all these I mean you know we've said this before Chelsea was very very active in in the transfer windows this this season and have almost completely turned over their team. It's very tough to do. It takes a really experienced coach. I think that this this is the a team that would have really um, benefited from one of those coaches you bring in like Pochettino or you know the level of like a Pep or a Jose Mourinho or somebody on that level. Not a Grand Potter, not an up-and-coming kind of guy that just does well with kind of subpar talent. But that was the last game of the week. I know it's a double game week. There are teams that are going to be playing twice, but I wanted to wrap up this weekend of uh, the EPL here. I want to thank you all for listening to this podcast. I want to remind you, if you are watching on YouTube, go ahead, subscribe would be greatly appreciated. Like, comment, engage, leave any questions you have in the comments. Uh, we love you know, engaging with uh, fans, getting discussions started, whether you agreed or disagreed with um, anything within this podcast. Listening on a podcast platform, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, um, go ahead and give us a follow. would be greatly appreciated. And give us a, a rating, whatever it is. If it's five stars, even better. If not, let us know what you think. Let us know how we can uh, get better, give you um, the content that you want. And, uh, of course, many of us are on Twitter and Instagram, and we are no different. So you can find us on there, Twitter, uh, 
It's at FBallVFBall. On Instagram, it's football underscore V underscore football. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We will be back with more content. Until then, have a fantastic day, football fans.